Coming to you from where software for the open enterprise is made, this is Novell Open Audio. Yeah, yeah, that's that, that's pretty good. Um, little more lift on the end, a little more punch to it, if you could. Coming to you from where software for the open enterprise is made, this is Novell Open Audio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's good. That's getting a little more there. Um, I'm looking for kind of a little bit of a monster truck rally feel. You know, a little growl in the voice there. All right. All right. Coming to you from where software for the open enterprise is made, this is Novell Open Audio. Yeah, that's the stuff. Welcome to Novell Open Audio, the podcast that connects the Novell user community with what's going on inside and around the Novell universe. I'm your host, Ted Hager, and what we have up for you today is first a little bit on Identity Manager 3. We're bringing in Volker Schreuber and Bill Street, who are going to talk to us a little bit about the designer component, which allows people to create their own custom templates and own custom XML forms for doing identity management with Identity Manager. Lee Howarth will take us through that in interview. And then at the end of the show today, we've got an update from support, news from support with Dave Mayer. Dave Mayer will be back in to give us a few TIDs that have come out since the last time we talked to him. So our first feature for the day is going to be this identity manager interview, and we brought this in for a couple different reasons. The first reason, of course, is I get a lot of email requests from people saying, I need more identity manager stuff. i got to have it. I'm hungry. Feed me. So we're going to get you a little bit of food here. Uh, but the second reason is the designer component of Identity Manager shows that there can be things that are done that are not completely open source, but follow an open process. And the guys that you're going to hear from here, Bill Street and Volker Schäuber, came up with a way of making it possible for customers to get nightly builds of the designer component of Identity Manager. This is the this is pretty much one of the major interfaces for designing how your identity systems integrate with each other and. Uh, transform or exchange identity information about users uh, between them. So it's a really cool thing to learn about how the uh, Identity Manager Designer component works, but also how Novell's made this an open process. And you can see some of the idea of uh, what Linux does with open source bleeding over into other products that have not traditionally been open source products. Without further ado, let's join Lee Howarth, our Senior Identity Management Open Processes Correspondent. Hi, my name is Lee Howarth, and I'm here in the studio today with Bill Street and Volker Schäuber. We're here today to talk about Designer for Identity Manager. Before we do that, Bill and Volker, would you introduce yourselves, tell us what your responsibilities are in Novell? Hey, Lee. Uh, Bill Street here. I'm an, an engineering manager. I work with uh, the Identity Manager space. I work on Designer, and I work on the uh, iManager plugins. All the all the UI and interfaces that are sitting on top of Identity Manager. Hi, Lee. I'm Volker Schreiber. I'm on Bill's team. I'm part of the designer team. So let's start, first of all, Volker, if you can help us, um, particularly the listeners that don't know Novell's technology too well. Obviously, we're going to be talking about designing for Identity Manager. But what is Identity Manager? Well, put it in just a few words, Identity Manager lets you manage user accounts across different systems and keep track of them centrally, manage them centrally, keep track of provisioning, deprovisioning, provide white pages, yellow pages, 
org charting capabilities, allows for authentication and all that kind of stuff. Everything around identity is being managed by Identity Manager. So Novell often talks about zero-day start and zero-day stop. Is it the Identity Manager technology that allows that to occur? Exactly. That's one of the key responsibilities of Identity Manager, to make sure accounts are being enabled on time and revoked or disabled on time again. Great. And Designer for Identity Manager, what's all that about? Well, Designer for Identity Manager is a, a uh, tool targeted specifically at the consultants who create identity management deployments. One of the things that one of my roles or objectives is to make deploying and managing identity management deployments simpler. And once you when you're working with a, a bunch of connected systems and complex applications, then you need basically designers focus or its role is to make our product easier to use. And so what it is is it's a a, a set of plugins uh, that are based on a open source initiative c- called Eclipse, and those plugins help you model and design and deploy and document uh, identity management solutions. Volker, you want to add to to that? Well, that was a pretty comprehensive description of what we do. So the only thing I would like to add is designer's goal is really to take away the technical, the underlying technical complexity of identity manager, which is a framework which makes heavily use, or heavy use of, of XML and data transformation languages. And, and we don't want to put that burden on the end user or on, on the person doing the deployment. So designer is going to abstract all that away and, and put a nice front end on top of it to make it easier to, to develop solutions on top of an identity management framework. So how would somebody administer Identity Manager before Designer came along? Well, you would use iManager plugins. So we had a web interface that exists today that would allow you to do the administration and the design time uh, steps of doing an identity management deployment. So what what we've done now is we we have we still continue to support and focus um, development efforts on iManager web content as well. We're not taking away our web content. Designer is meant to complement our web content. So what our what our objective is or our strategy is is that that we need both. We need both Designer, which is a rich client interface. It allows you to work offline. It allows for modeling and debugging and simulation and cop- lots of copy and paste type features. And we need the web interfaces as well. And the web interfaces allow you to uh, you know, work from anywhere, uh, have quick access without requiring a client, be able to just load a browser and connect to your identity management deployment and make some modifications and change things. And so that's what our goal or our strategy is, is to have both iManager interfaces for web and what we uh, one other thing I should touch on here is that we're our scope or our intention is that our iManager interfaces are for uh, post deployment they're they're really targeted they're targeted like Fulker is saying at administrators they're after you've already done the deployment and designer is for targeted at the consultant or the business consultant who's doing the design time, who's creating an identity management engagement. 
So, so could the consultant be on a plane, for example, and design the whole system? In theory, he could do that. He could lay down his systems, his applications, his drivers, his identity vaults. He can can then, once he's off the plane, deploy what he developed on the plane to a test environment, to a production environment, or whatever. Yeah, designer is heavily focusing on offline development. So I understand, Bill, that designer didn't follow the typical novel cycle of, of product development. Can you explain a little bit more about the development cycle with designer? Surely. What what we've set out to do with designer is we're striving to be as customer-focused as possible. And what I mean by that is designer is created using an iterative development process. We we create we do designer builds nightly and we we release designer directly to our customers so customers can get access to the nightly builds or to what we align up as milestone builds and we do a milestone build every couple of months and we'll do this and you can kind of look at it as being like a super beta where customers can gain early access to designer as it's being developed they can download designer they can use it they can uh, see what they like and they don't like about it and then we've opened up all of the reporting mechanisms to basically reach back into engineering and provide us feedback on what people like or don't like and we've done that by opening up the bugzilla system directly to our customers so our customers can go out and they can report bugs or report enhancements, and they can view the bugs and enhancements that we're working on. And we've also enabled vo uh, voting so customers can help us set feature prioritization as we're working on the new features. And so I think that it's the ideal way of doing software development. It's fun. It makes sure we validate early and often with our customers, and it really helps us get it right. So is there like an official designer community out there? Well, there is a, a, an official community, and we hope to take a community to the next step where we have not just a designer community, but we have an outright user provisioning community, and I'll let Folker talk more about what we're hoping to do there. But we have about almost 2,000 users who've downloaded designer. We've had those users have provided us. Designer is released, like I said, every night, and then we do milestone builds every two months. And then we take a, a series of milestone builds and we roll them up into a shippable version of Designer. And over the course of Designer, we're, we're, we're shipping Designer 1.2. That's the, or we're working on Designer 1.2 right now, and we're ship, Designer 1.1 is shipping. We've had about 150 bugs and enhancements that have come directly from customers. So that's pretty good. That's pretty good input and feedback from the community. Yeah, th there's one thing I would like to add to the nightly builds. They also give customers the possibility to receive fixes to bugs that, that they posted much earlier than in the normal novel software development process where they can probably submit a bug through support, but then they have to wait until the next either service pack or hotfix or waterfall release. And our engineers try to work on a, on a bug the minute it comes in, and, and very often we, we get a bug fixed in, in just a couple of days or, or weeks, and, and then in one of the next nightly builds, the fix is in there. 
yeah, and customer. That's one thing that's, really that, that's, one thing that's really exciting to me is I, I receive feedback from a customer directly in my mailbox that says, I just reported a bug two days ago. I downloaded today's nightly build and I saw that you fixed that already. That's just amazing. So it's really cool. It's exciting. So with all of these builds that are going on, how do you determine which build is right for release of Identity Manager? So what we do is we deliver the nightly builds and then the milestone builds, and we plan out for a full year of milestone releases. And it's similar to kind of an open source model where other other software development projects that are released using uh, milestone releases or iterative development and we align out a, a year's worth of releases. And then what we do is we obviously have Identity Manager framework releases that we must support. They'll have new features or functionality that come in. And so we will take our milestone releases and we'll, we'll align those with a, an actual shipping release of Identity Manager and, and declare it as a supported shippable version. And so it's there's there's a couple of different paradigms here that, it, that customers are starting to embrace or adopt. One is customers, like Folker said, can get a fix or a patch in the very next miles or the very next nightly build, but they may not want to download a nightly build to use in their production environment. So they can then take a milestone release, which is a more formally tested and we spend more time and focus on it. And they can take that milestone release and it's going to have all the implemented bugs and features uh, to date in it. But um, so anyway, Lee, to, to not to drag on here, but we basically align a milestone release with whatever anticipated identity manager release is going to occur throughout the year, and then we will actually ship the designer product and and stamp it with a ship shippable supported version. Yeah, and and we usually use these aligned builds to bring designer up to date in terms of new features being introduced by that new identity manager release. Like if they are going to introduce new Dirximus script features, functionalities, then that milestone build that is aligned with the shipment of that new IDM release is going to uh, contain updated editors which will be able to deal with these new features. So obviously many of our listeners are probably going to be very interested in designer. Where are they going to go to get more information to join this community to be able to download Designer? Well, currently there is one place they can go to, which is on www.novell.com slash coolsolutions slash dirxml slash designer. And we are working on setting up a new community which embraces the whole identity management community which does not yet formally exist, but it is out there because we have tons of people doing identity management. And we can we can phys- almost physically feel that these people want to come together, work together, because they have so many ideas to share and there is no common place for them to go. So we're looking on creating this common place where they can come, they can submit what they have done, and they can take what others have done and use it in their deployments. And so we hope to, to create kind of a cult around identity management. And of course, designers is going to be a big part of that because we can imagine that most of the interaction that occurs is an exchange of designer projects. So a customer can say, hey, I've, I've done this and I'm going to post it to the community in the form of a designer project. And then other customers can grab that project and see what 
what the other customer has done. And that's how they can start collaborating. And then, of course, there's way more to that. There's going to be mailing lists involved, forums, and probably even, you know, as some sort of co-development. And blogs and podcasts and anything that's identity management related. So what's the future of designer in terms of other Novell products? I mean, should we expect to see a designer for Zenworks, for example? Well, that is a very interesting question. And there are hot discussions going on about that. So I just want to remind you of, for example, the Friday keynote of this year's BrainShare, where the data center guys demonstrated the use of designer for their data center management. So they used the designer framework they used our graphical enterprise modeler to model a, a data center containing, you know, physical servers, virtual servers, physical storage, virtual storage, and, and how these things interact with each other. And that was all based on designer. And then we've, we've had several people saying, well, I want to design my e-directory tree and do my partition and replication layout offline before I, before I deploy it. So the demand is there. However, we don't know yet what other product groups are going to do. We we would we would of course embrace and uh, yeah we would embrace other product groups jumping on that same train. Now one of the key features I have heard about is where you could basically document your whole of your identity manager system. Um, what other key features would you say that if I'm a consultant listening to this, you know I, I what key features am I going to be looking for? How much time do we have? <laughs> no. <laughs> Actually, the, the complete feature list is really very, very long. Uh, let me concentrate on some of the new things that we, can, that we are coming up with and probably some of the key points that are in design that are always worth mentioning. One of them, of course, being document generation. That is one of the most important features I still believe that we have in designer because it allows you to, with the push of a button, generate a technical documentation of your whole project in PDF and in the near future also in in RTF or TXT or HTML format. And, and that is a huge benefit because I know from experience, from the time I've spent in consulting that, what you really don't want to do but you absolutely have to do is after a very exhausting deployment, you've got to get everything documented. And designer... When you use Designer throughout your whole development cycle, then all for it takes for you is to push that documentation button at the end, and Designer guarantees not to forget a single IP address, not to forget a single policy, not to forget a single filter setting, nothing. Everything will make it into this PDF documentation, which you, which you then can take and hand over to the customer. So that, that is one of the huge benefits. Another... Another benefit is the uh, enterprise modeler, which allows you to graphically lay out your applications, your systems, your identity vaults, e-directory systems. And then all you, what you need to do is you need to draw lines between applications and ID vaults. And these lines then in the end become identity manager drivers. And you can then drill down into each driver and say, specify the business policy that this driver should follow to control the, the data flow or the, the flow of identities between the systems. So it's very powerful, very UI oriented. 
so that also architects and not only pure technicians can use a designer to, to get a, an identity management project going. So we, we look at the identity management solution development process, and it's a series of steps that go f- all the way from interviewing business o- or interviewing system owners to uh, defining what the business policy is and then writing the policy and then deploying the policy to a testing environment and then testing it, testing the actual policy, then deploying to production. And we use these steps as the, the cornerstones of what drives the designer features and functionality. And so what you'll see, Lee, is we will begin creating additional designer features that uh, cover some of these steps that we have not focused on before. And what I'm talking about is like specification or ga- system requirements gathering features or features to support uh, data cleanup and analysis. We'll begin to do things like more things like this in the form of new products that complement designer or in the new in the designer for identity manager product itself. So what about some other features? So some really some cool things that we're doing uh, again referencing back to the Friday keynote uh, from Brainshare this year, Volker Schweiber was on stage with Alan Murray, and he showed a new product codenamed Enforcer. Enforcer is focusing on allowing you to analyze, enhance, and bring into compliance the data throughout your enterprise. And so it's an example of how we're going to be able to take designer and and uh, focus on an, one of these other steps in this solution development process that I talked about. Um, the way that we're going to be able to do this is we figured we have new technology that we've created that will allow us to run the, the identity manager drivers without requiring a meta directory to be present or without requiring the meta directory engine to be present. It's something that we've acronymed as independent driver services or IDS. So we're going to be able to take new features inside of designer that will be able to directly connect to something, for example, like a PeopleSoft system query information from that environment, uh, run reports on it, analyze it, clean it if you need to, and write directly back to that environment. So you'll see where we're going to start having more features that, again, simplifying the deployment, simplifying the uh, striving for an ease of use for our identity management product. Um, Another, uh, some other things we're doing is we're doing advanced simulation and advanced debugging. So today in Designer, you can go in and you can simulate policy and you can feed an input document through the simulator and get the results. So it's another way to help customers or our consultants easily deploy identity management solutions. Bill and Volker, it sounds a fantastic product. Thank you for your time. Thanks, Lee. Thank you, Lee. Well, the time has come once again to bring back in the mayor. I'm talking about Dave Mayer from Novell Support. Dave, welcome back to the studio. Thank you, Ted. It's good to be here. But I think it would be a lot more comfortable if we had something to set the scene, maybe some bagpipe music, something from the, the motherland. 
So uh, all the TIDs, the technical information documents that Dave's going to talk about right now, we will post on the show notes so that you can get the links to each one of those for or whichever ones you're interested in. And also, we're recording this on May 18th, so if you're hearing this a few days later, which you will be, uh, that means uh, that there may have been some updates that have happened since that time. But we're giving you everything up till May 18th that's happened since the last time we did it. Dave, what do we got? Well, before I get started, uh, let me just say that I got a bunch of security updates, security bulletins to talk about. I'm going to leave those to last, so that gives you a chance to, to get ready to take down details. But uh, I thought I'd start with this one, which certainly falls into the category um, that one might imagine is ludicrous. Uh, we, got a, we got a tid here describing how to, um, how to extract self-extracting archives. Now, I, I look at it and I think, who called up and said, um, I've got this uh, patch that I can't expand? We, we distribute patches in uh, executable format, and they contain patch code for both platforms, Netware and Linux. So we distribute these .exe files that um, you can actually expand on Linux. They're ARJ archives, and if you just run on ARJ on uh, a Linux system with uh, the path to the executable, it will expand. I, I looked at it and I just love the idea that um, we have to, um, we feel the need to publish information on how to use an archive file. I think if uh, if we've got to the point where we've left you um, having to, to find the information on doing that, I think we may have let you down on the download in the first place. So, so but, you know, that that actually, to me, see, this, this comes off as a positive thing for me because what that says to me is that there are people working off of Linux desktop machines who, who are saying that, that I, can't get the, I can't get the executable going. So when are you going to change it from executables on Novell.com? You know, I never thought of it that way. That's great. That shows we're making some progress. Aha. <laughs> what else we got? So... In the last couple of days, what I've been working on is a couple of crash dumps. That's where we've had a kernel failure, and uh, the customer has used uh, a driver that uh, comes as part of the Linux distribution media that allows you to take uh, the state of the kernel, uh, the state of memory, dump it to disk, and then at some time uh, later, we can look at them and discover what the problem really was. I've been working those for a couple of days, one case where we have a memory manager problem, another case where we have a storage problem. And often I find that uh, these uh, problems, we have to describe how to install LKCD, the crash dump uh, tool. And that's now available as, as a TID, uh, TID number 10099561, how to configure LKCD to capture a kernel core dump. For many cases that you have problems with, you'll find that uh, Novell support asks you to provide a crash dump, and in those circumstances, uh, we may refer you to that TID. To is a crash dump of any use to any like mere mortal person? Like, if, if would I ever need a crash dump for myself? Often you can tell what's going wrong uh, from a crash dump. Often they are pretty descriptive. But most of the time what you'd find is that the uh, panic or oops uh, stack dump that's contained in uh, Varlog messages is enough to, to diagnose things. But sometimes they get to the point where you have to say, well, if that's a stack that caused the problem, that's a line of code that caused the problem. But it's not so much where we were in the code that I'm interested in. It's what the piece of memory the code was looking at that contains a problem. So crash dumps are good for that kind of thing, but oftentimes you can tell what's gone wrong just from the, the stack that's already dumped for you. All right. And 
Just in case you're not aware, you can take the distribution media for uh, SUSE Linux and uh, build your own admin and install server. So you can do uh, rapid deployments from one uh, central media stored on the network. That's Auto Yast that would be that tool? That's correct. There's a new TED posted yesterday that uh, explains how to use existing CDs on admin server for creating install source. That's TED number 10101086. 10108? Yeah. When you hit the nines, can you from now on do niner for me? Just uh, niner. I yeah. want it to be what Hollywood like. Absolutely. You know, I'm looking at that thinking it's binary then at 86. Um, x86. That's There's sad some that you magic can do in that, that fast. Number. I got a quick. I, I got a quick one also on that though. Um, as as far as that one goes, does it also talk about the Pixie um, setup? Do you know if it, it, it actually covers how to do Pixie? Oh, you you caught me out. I I, I, I that's moved what, it off that's my... that's my role in this is to try to stump Dave Mayer as he gives these uh, different TIDs. No mention of it, but because uh, it's. Uh, because it'll operate through your audio yes, you can you can do pixie yeah uh, so just, just to mention it to people listening um one one of the really cool things about the auto yas tool is uh it's not just something that you have to have a cd boot from and hit the server that you've done the uh install source to it actually does have a pixie server on it and if you set up uh if you set up your network for pixie uh, like we've done this on one of the floors here at Novell, I can just walk down there with my laptop when I want to update to the latest version of a beta or whatever and just hit the install sources as they're out there. It's really nice. Configure DHCP server to offer up the Pixie source, and then you just boot from the boot ROM on the uh, Ethernet controller. Very good, very powerful. Uh, something we talked about last time that I, uh, I thought I'd do a little research on, we talked about loopback devices. We, we just mentioned them in passing. I think the question was, why would anybody ever need more than seven loopback interfaces? Well, what loopback, uh, what loopback devices let you do is mount something like a file, as if it was a device so that you can access a file system in that file. The mount uh, functionality requires that you have a device from which to mount a file system. Files aren't devices. Loopback device uh, proxies for a file. Oh, okay, so it's not just loopback network interfaces. No. In this case, it's a loopback. Yep. So you could mount... It's like a disk controller. So you can mount yeah. ISO files yep. as file system. If you wanted to mount 100 ISOs, then eight loopback devices is not going to be enough for you. But you can also use them for things like uh, cryptographic file systems. You can take a file... Uh, that's being encrypted on reads and writes and then uh, put a loopback device in front of it and put a file system on top of that and then you've got an encrypted file system stored in a file on your disk. Um. You seem to be surprised. Yes, <laughs> that's amazing, isn't it? Yes, that's that's amazing. Um, and I'm sure there are crypto geeks that would uh, totally want to do that and I'm not one of them. Well, when you consider that there have been a lot of stories recently about uh, laptops going missing, government laptops, uh, corporation laptops going missing, customer data getting out into the world. If you can have uh, uh, all of your data stored in files that are encrypted, then you can, you can mitigate some of the problems that uh, would arise from lost laptops. In our next episode, we will talk about how to use your iFolder in an encrypted file system as a loopback device. <laughs> and have it, uh, yeah, I like what you could do with iFolder there. Um, <laughs> So, TID number 1010, oh, I don't believe it. This is a 32-bit TID, obviously. 1010132. Uh, <laughs> the um, uh, LVM volume does not activate at boot time. That's uh, Linux Volume Manager, is it LVM? That's correct. Um, See, I'm getting better at this stuff. Uh, logical Volume Manager. Don't! Uh, but same thing, really. 
Um, they, the, the, looking at these TID numbers makes me think of, um, I'm, being Scottish, I've not played a lot of baseball, but I uh, played a little baseball last summer, and uh, the team I play for is very bad. And I looked up at the scoreboard. That's the they, name of the team or the uh, quality of the team? Uh, definitely the quality should be the name. So we, uh, I looked up at the scoreboard when we were 10-1 down, and I, I looked at it and I thought, hey, two more runs and we're ahead. <laughs> One zero zero one. They're on two. We're on one. In binary, at least. That's where we crush. Uh, that's where we uh, cue in the rush music of uh, <laughs> what is it? Grace under pressure. Now I seriously date myself. For all you kids, that was a band in the nineteen eighties that we geeks listened to. There were nineteen eighties. Yeah, there were. Wow. Some um, of our guys that listened to this were born then. <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't remember this. I think Mike was born then. Dang straight. <laughs> So there, there's a TID out there um, on an LVM volume that's not activating at boot time, and DASD devices were added, um, but were not updated uh, in LVM. Fairly simple administration problem. iManager 2.6 plugin information. Uh, there's uh, a list here of functions, uh, plugins that currently function with iManager 2.6. So there's a there's a big long list. Uh, the TID number is 1009986. No binary really in that one. That And that, the, the utility of that one's going to be, if you're wondering what plugins you can get all working together in one version of iManager, there's this TID that actually says these plugins exist and they all run on 2.6. So for example, Border Manager 3.8, archive versioning, uh, that's an NSS feature, eDirectory backup, merge, repair, all sorts of functionality uh, that's uh, provided through iManager. And uh, these are the uh, list of current, currently functional uh, plugins. And that's for Linux. So uh, obviously there are more plugins. But uh, looking at the set here, the functionality that's uh, available in these currently supported pl plugins is pretty much everything that we have. Now, onto the security updates. I have a few of these that uh, have turned up since we last spoke. Uh, security update for Clam Antivirus. And uh, everyone should perform this update. There's a buffer overflow in the fresh Clam program that might allow remote web servers to execute arbitrary code via long HTTP headers. So that one, uh, as I read it, is pretty crucial if you're using uh, Clam Antivirus and are uh, using fresh Clam for updates. Security update for Ethereal. Uh, it fixes uh, several security-related bugs, ranging from crashes to arbitrary code execution. Obviously, anytime you see something that's arbitrary code execution, you've got to be concerned. So that one uh, is uh, certainly worth deploying, probably as much as uh, the Klamav one, I think. I, I spent all day today using Ethereal. It's an absolutely fabulous tool. What, what, what does Ethereal do? Ah, yes. Uh, it's an Ethernet packet sniffer. Oh, okay. And uh, so that's another thing that you may get support asking you for if you have a problem and the best way to analyze it is to see what happens uh, on the wire. Then we may ask you to install Ethereal and capture the traffic. So is it Laura Chapel endorsed? As if it wouldn't be. Security updates for CPIO. CPIO is uh, kind of cool for things like uh, if you want to expand an RPM without actually doing the install. Uh, you can run it through um, RPM to CPIO and then use CPIO to uh, produce the output files. Uh, there's a case where very large files 
can cause a buffer overflow, but only on 64-bit platforms. And when extracting an archive into a directory that's writable by other users, another user might uh, be able to trick CPIO into changing the permissions of files outside that directory. So basically, you could have a user in directory A that can change permissions on files outside of that directory. Uh, because of uh, one of these bugs. And relative paths in CPIO archives could be used to write a file into an arbitrary directory. Same kind of problem. Um, for example, you could uh, overwrite your kernel with uh, that kind of functionality. So another good one to uh, update if you're using CPIO. eDirectory 8.8 iMonitor security update. Uh, and on this one, there is a fix for a security vulnerability reported in iMonitor 2.4. That ships with either 8.8. Uh, uh, there's not a lot of information on what the actual problem is, but uh, the TID number is 2973759. Is this one of those uh, kind of TIDs that comes out saying, hey, there is a security issue, patch it, we'll let you know what it is later? I don't think it is. I think it's just that uh, unlike the ones I've, I've mentioned so far, this one is not particularly serious, and it's just a, a, a sort of um, as-you-get-to-it update. Okay, so it's not a major compromise or anything. Got no. it. Okay. I don't think that one's arbitrary code execution. Right. And finally, a security update for base libs and add-on libs in uh, SUSE Linux 8 and United Linux 1. Those are obviously uh, pretty old platforms, but I mention it just because uh, I had a customer contact me this week uh, that was having a problem with SUSE Linux 8, so, or SUSE Linux Enterprise Server 8. So it's obviously still still out there and in use. Awesome. And that's it from support. All right. Well, that concludes our show for this week. Uh, remember that you can go to www.novell.com forward slash open audio, and you can interact with us, rate this show. You can also put in uh, emails to us at openaudio at novell.com, and you can uh, request topics. You can also uh, put in questions for any upcoming uh, any upcoming interviewees that we're going to have. Remember also, if you want to uh, get any feedback in to us about uh, our segment on support, if there's other features that you want to know about, you can always send questions in to us as well. That's pretty much our show for this time. Remember that Novell Open Audio is a production of Novell Users International in conjunction with Novell, and we'll see you next time. Thanks. Thanks.